You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always... Thanks for tuning in. Before the next round of Democratic debates kicks off here tonight in Detroit, we are joined by a contender who was absent from the debates the first time around. His name is Steve Bullock, and he's the governor of Montana, now in his second term as governor of Montana. Bullock joins us to talk about the big issues he stands for and what it's like navigating the complex realities of our current political landscape. Governor Bullock, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, it's great to be with you this morning. Yes, uh, and we will see you here soon in Detroit. Uh, Quickly, give us your 30-second pitch of why you think you should be the nominee that the Democrats put forward to take on Donald Trump in next year's presidential election. Well, I think we got to make sure that we can beat Donald Trump, but also ensure that both our economy and this political system, Washington, D.C., works for folks. I'm the only one in this big field that actually won in a Trump state. Uh, 2016, he took Montana by 20. I won by four, 25 to 30 percent of my voters voted for Donald Trump. And I think we need to both, you know, it's a false choice to say, do we bring out our base or bring back those Obama Trump voters? I think that we have to do both. Also, my whole time, my legislature is about 60 percent Republican right now. Yet we've been able to actually get progressive things done, like expanding health care, kicking dark money out of our election, record investments in education, freezing college tuition. Also, the fight of my career, both as attorney general and as governor, has been fighting back against the corrupting influences of money in our system, this post-Citizens United world. And if we're really going to address income inequality or climate change or uh gun safety, other issues in D.C., it's all held back in many respects by the fact that Washington listens to dark money groups and big contributors, not folks, uh, you know, the regular folks that actually get a vote Mm. during our elections. Mm. Uh, So you recently wrote an op-ed for CNN about your solution for student debt. You had quite a bit of student loan debt yourself. Talk about your policy proposal there. Yeah, and it really is. You know, it's it's horrific in some respects that we're up to about $1.5 trillion of student debt out there. And, yeah, I, you know, worked my way through law school, raised in a single-parent household, uh, or worked my way through college, borrowed my way through law school. I ended up having to pay off with my wife about $175,000 of my debt. Wow. And I think that there are things that we can do to make it more manageable. You know, lowering the interest rates on student debt. We should incentivize employers to help pay that student debt off. You know, cracking down on those for profits like the Trump universities. Those are a few of the things that we can do. But when people talk about, all right, let's just erase all student debt, I think it misses a couple things. One of which is, you know, about a third of the student debt out there is among the highest quintile or, you know, the top 20% of income earners. In our country, and the second of which is that sometimes I think Democrats sound like we're a little disconnected from people's lives. You know, we got to recognize that almost 70% of Americans don't have a college degree, and we should be saying also, what are we going to be doing for them? That's why I've worked real hard on increasing like apprenticeships and work-based learning and opportunities 
for things where you don't need necessarily a two or four year degree. And I think that we should look at universal access to two year college. Hmm. Um, uh, there are a lot of people running for this role, um, and you were not one of the people who was sort of um, included in that first debate. You were locked out. Talk about how that happened and what you think it suggests about our current political landscape. I mean, the idea that we don't get to see all of the people who are running, we get to see uh, people who can meet the, the, the standards, I guess, that uh, the party puts together. Yeah, I was frustrated to miss that first day debate. In some respects, you know, I guess I got in late, which is about eight weeks ago. Um, even though if you go back to like the 90s, you know, Bill Clinton didn't even announce until October the year before. So it certainly escalated, sped it up. I got in late because my legislature was still meeting. It meets 90 days every two years. Um, and I had a job to do, you know, that uh, we had to reauthorize Medicaid expansion. And with that very Republican state, making sure that we could divide health care, mental health treatment, substance use disorder uh, treatment for folks, uh, I had to be here and get that job done. And, if I, you know, it's one of those, if I had to choose between getting health care for 100,000 people or chasing 100,000 one dollar donors just so that i can get on a debate stage but that's the easiest choice i'll ever make um and i hope you know that i don't think the voters want to make the fastest decision they want to make the right decision and it kind of underscores to me at least that the premium ought to be on getting things done that impact people's lives because there's a lot of challenges out there Mm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Steve Bullock. He is Montana's governor and a Democratic presidential contender who will be one of the 10 hopefuls debating in uh, Detroit. Um, uh, governor, um, let's talk about climate change, uh, a very real threat, maybe one of the biggest impending challenges that the next president is going to have to deal with. Uh, what would you do on the climate front? It is a real threat. You know, I mean, I'm right now in Montana dealing with uh, forest fires. Our fire seasons are about almost 80 days longer than they were just a mere 30 years ago. So I think that we do have to take immediate action. And scientists say, you know, we have to be carbon neutral as a world by 2050. I think we can do it by 2040 even earlier. I mean, I'd rejoin Paris day one. I'd reinstate fuel efficiency standards, invest in wind and solar, help drive that technological change. But, you know, we also forget, like the first George Bush, when he was president, he said, we'll address the greenhouse effect with the White House effect. I mean, here's a Republican president that said, we're going to take on climate change and we're going to do something about it. Now, 30-some years later, Republicans won't even acknowledge that climate change is real because of the outside influences of money. Mm. You know, the, so the Koch brothers and others, which make it so that they're more interested in their profits than protecting our climate. So I think that that's, you know, day one of my administration. I want to start to crack down on that. And that's exactly what we've done in Montana. And I think that'll make it easier for us to move forward in areas like addressing climate. But, for sure, Stephen, uh, we can't wait another 30 years, uh, both for today and for that next generation. Mm. 
I also wonder if you can talk a little about your career there in the state of Montana. People think of Montana, they don't think of Democrats, I think, a lot. There aren't a lot of Democrats there. Uh, and uh, you've managed to get elected to a couple of statewide offices. You were the attorney general there before you were governor, for instance. What, what is it that you are able to do that sort of bridges that gap, I guess, between uh, the people there and Democratic politics? Uh, why Why is Steve Bullock uh, appealing to uh, yeah, yeah. Montana and, Republicans. And not only, you know, yeah, not only did I win when it was a Trump state, but also Romney state and a McCain state. And I think that Democrats are missing a few different things along this, one of which is you got to show up. Like, I don't have the luxury in the state that is larger than Japan you know, just to go <laughs> to sort of those pockets of blue. Mm. I have to go out all around the state and listen to what folks need and want, because I truly think that most people's lives are too frantic and hectic to care about politics. They're worrying about, is my car going to break down? Is my kid going to get sick? So I try to find those common values and then fight for them. You know, when when you're in a time where, like when I was growing up, in the uh, early 70s, 90% of 30-year-olds were doing better than their parents were. Today, it's only half. Or when you look at union membership, which used to be a path to a decent job, has been cut in half since the 1980s. So often, I think that our discussions as a party almost seems detached from folks at you know daily lives just trying to get along and get a little bit better. And I think the way that I've won is that folks don't agree with everything that I say or do, but they think that I'm going to come to our state house and I'm going to fight to make their lives better. And I'm not going to make it about the political food fight of the day. I'm going to be about trying to address the challenges of everyday Americans. Hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. My guest is Steve Bullock, Montana's governor and a Democratic presidential contender who will be one of the candidates debating on stage this week here in the city of Detroit. Um, uh, let's talk about cities like Detroit uh, and the problems that we have. We heard the president say something pretty awful about the city of Baltimore, which is actually uh, another of my homes. I lived there for a really long time. Oh, yeah. um, uh, in, in a way, you know, I, I feel as though, uh, I mean, I was obviously really offended by what the president said, but I'm also concerned about cities like Baltimore and Detroit and the problems that we have and whether there are great solutions to those problems and whether the Democrats who are running uh, would, would approach those in substantively different ways that would that would make a difference for, for those of us who live here. Uh, talk to me about what a Steve Bullock presidency would do to improve life in America's cities. Yeah, and boy, uh, Stephen, I sure hope that a Democrat would approach things differently than the way this president is doing, because time and time again, I mean, if a preschool teacher said the things that this president does, you know, that preschool teacher would get fired. Mm-hmm. And I think that he really does try to divide us by race, by geography, by gender. And you got to look at some of the challenges in, in Michigan or Baltimore or other places. There are certainly unique and different to what the challenges are in um, where I live, Helena, Montana. Mm. I mean, the challenges of uh, 
why is it that you know communities of color are disproportionately hit as an example when it comes to base infrastructure like uh, making sure that you have safe and clean drinking water yet this administration is trying to cut EPA efforts by the budget by some over 30 percent and eliminate targeted programs just for those areas or when you look at you know the challenges of health care um, often in urban areas and often disproportionately to communities of color yet here we have an administration that's actually trying to you know rip apart and take away even in the last couple of weeks the Affordable Care Act, criminal justice reform, and the fact that uh, the color of your skin and the color of my skin, we know that we have disproportionate rates of both incarceration and impacts to our overall families. That I think that, you know, the exciting thing about I think where we are in 2019 is that we're finally actually saying. Boy, we've had centuries of systemic discrimination, and it didn't just stop there, that it's continued on, and we're finally to the point um, where we're going to address these areas. And I think we need to go through both in urban areas and in communities of color in each of the areas and say, what's been holding places back? And now, hopefully, we'll all come together and start addressing these. And uh, when you think about that, though, um, what are the, what are some of the specific things that you think we ought to be doing in in cities? Uh, you mentioned criminal justice reform, for instance. Uh, how far are you willing to go on uh, in, in an issue like that to make things better in in, in cities? Well, I think that that's even in and it's candidly, it's not just a urban versus rural area, you know, even with my uh, 60% Republican legislature, we're changing who gets sentenced for how long services they received or reformed their lives during incarceration and beyond. You know, knowing that black Americans incarcerated five times the rate of white Americans, and we spend $80 billion a year just to keep people behind bars. Think about if we could spend more of that money on prevention and reentry. So I think like that is an area where we really do have to say systemically we've got some problems and now we've got to do and look in a bipartisan effort uh, last December with the first state act, step act, at least some steps were taken. But I think we got to get serious about this. Um, so you're going to be on stage this week with uh, with the other Democratic hopefuls. Uh, talk about the, the the issues that you want to focus on, uh, and then tell me how you plan to try to stand out among the field. That's one of the problems that I think a lot of voters are having is there's just a lot of people, and it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to, yeah, to tell who's who. Yeah, with people running or whatever, how yeah. do you do that? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, give us an idea of what what your what your strategy looks like for this week. Yeah, you know, I don't want to tell all my secrets, Stephen, or, you know, the playbook will be gone. But, but no, it is, you know, and it struck me, and I think that some folks, it's not unique to places like Iowa. I'm sure that there are people in Detroit that feel the exact same way. It struck me 
I don't know, it was a week and a half ago. I was in a city and you know, doing a meet and greet. It was a Tumwa, Iowa. Someone, a woman said to me, uh, you know what seemed to be missing off of uh, that first debate stage? Our voice. Hmm. Meaning that people that just are hoping that you could actually have a better shot at a better life economically, educationally. The opportunities, you know, we can't have debates that end up, I think, disconnected from the challenges of everyday Americans. So I think I, you know, I think I'll bring a little bit different perspective because as someone outside of Washington, D.C., and I, I think that Washington, D.C. has kind of become a place where talkings replace doing, or we think about, you know, here's a great plan, but many of these plans are just written for press releases. You know, they haven't actually passed, fully passed the budget in 22 years. If I did that in one year as a governor, you know, I'd lose my job. Uh, so I bring a different perspective from a little bit on the outside. I bring a different perspective, I think, from not necessarily being on the coast, knowing that we've got to be competitive not only in downtown Detroit, uh, but all across Michigan. I think I bring a different perspective, um, certainly as a governor. So I'll try to bring out those perspectives in a way that's talking to folks all across this country and ways that can actually tangibly improve their lives. And and uh, standing out uh, on that stage, uh, talk a little bit a bit about how you how you do that uh, with so many people. Well, and yeah, you hope you know. You hope at the stage of ten that America and Michigan really gets the the flavor of who you are and what you stand for. But you know, it's it's the only one in this yeah. race that actually. Like, if we can't win Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, uh, let's be honest. Yeah, there's not <laughs> much chance, no. To win this it election. would be really hard. There is- uh, um, there's no question it would be it would be really difficult for Democrats to do that. I, I wonder if you have given much thought to how much of the debate this week should be about the president and how much should be about the Democrats. In other words... Does it make sense to spend a lot of time talking about what he's doing wrong or the offensive things that he says? Or should Democrats just kind of say, listen, uh, we are offering something different uh, and and we want to explain to you why that uh, should be more appealing? Yeah, I I think the latter, to tell you the truth, Stephen, that, you know, so look, so many people say all we have to do is tell America how horrible Donald Trump is and we win. It's not going to be enough to be just against him. You've got to actually be for something. And when you look at, you know, 60% of this country, as an example, in the last 40 years in real terms, haven't had a pay increase. Hmm. And they're saying, when's this economy going to finally work for me? Or two-thirds of the counties in this country actually lost businesses in the last decade. And they're saying, when am I going to have a shot for that better life? You know, if, if you think about it, if you, our economic interests, education interests, health care interests, those are the things that Democrats have always fought for. And I think those are the things, in many respects, that are so important to folks. So if it's all about Donald Trump, if the next year is all about chasing his horrible tweets and statements, 
Well, then it's going to be all about Donald Trump. It ought to be all about the people watching the debate, not even the folks on the debate stage. If we can make that connection that it's about beating him, but it's also about improving their lives, then I think we win. Okay, Steve Bullock. Montana governor and Democratic presidential contender. It was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Stephen, I sure appreciate you having me today. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing you on stage this week here in Detroit with the other Democratic hopefuls. I look forward to you providing me some constructive criticism afterwards. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll see how you do, right? That's right. All right, thanks for being here. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.